this guy is trying to charge people $20 for a cup of coffee. Are you talking about yourself? No, no, but no, my, my coffee's free. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, um, the, uh, the cost of goods sold or like that, that the ingredients are not free, but for anybody who either takes a thermos off the porch or, uh, sometime around 2023 can come over you know, the <laughs> coffee's free, but so yeah, what, what, give me the rundown. Who, who is this dude? Who's Jimmy Butler? So Jimmy Butler plays for the Miami Heat, who the Lakers, of course, beat in the NBA Finals this last year. And this this season didn't count. (laughs) um, um, And he um, apparently is a big coffee guy. We're going to talk about that. But is is he is he uh, is he a a villain or a um, is he a Giannis or is he kind of a because, you know, in the NBA, nobody there's very few people who are just like uh, like neutral. They either have to be like superstars or they have to be kind of you know, villains or you have to be a good guy. Where, where does he fall? Depends on who you ask, honestly. He has had kind of a rocky career in a couple of different places, um, but has, has kind of found a home with the heat. So, I, I, and I think he's liked around the league because he's known as a really hard worker, which, you know, the players respect, rightfully so. Oh, good. So apparently there was a, also I'll give you a couple of links to drop in the show notes. Um, get to the right Slack DM. Okay. So inside a Sports Illustrated cover story, apparently his coach, uh, Eric Spolstra, like the Gavin Newsom of the NBA, he looks to... <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, this has been a thing ever since, because I think the, the Heat were, they had a run in the early 2010s where they were in the finals a lot, right? When, um, uh, well, yeah, there, two, well, 2006, play for him? yeah, so 2006, it was Shaq and Dwayne Wade, they, they won, uh, the title that year, and then they went back four years in a row, 2010 through 2014 when lebron was on the team yeah yeah that time and i just remember every post-game news conference there's always a guy who looked like a little bit too too slick uh <laughs> and again that's kind of that's uh, where i get the gavin newsome vibes where mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of consideration there's probably like a separate budget uh line item for hair gel and stuff right Anyway, so apparently uh, Jimmy Butler, as described by um, Eric Spolstra, is he is the most interesting man in the NBA. But so I put that link in the show notes, or no, I, I put it so you will put it in the show notes. But apparently in this in this profile, another one of Butler's pastimes was as the proprietor of Big Face Coffee, a hotel room cafe Butler started seemingly with the sole purpose of upcharging his wealthy clientele. Blah, 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 blah. The first, uh, the big face menu was surprisingly expansive, ranging from pour overs to lattes to cappuccinos, but each drink, no matter the size, cost $20. So, and then I will give you a, another link to something that Butler posted on Instagram, which is his menu, which is cash only, no IOUs, small, medium, and large. They're all $20. <laughs> So this is pretty good. I don't know. Like, I, I, I this is the funniest thing to come out of the bubble because, like, were, weren't there reports of people like sneaking out to like Georgia and stuff and like going to like nightlife and trying to escape Disney World? So you were you're thinking about the story that came out today about James Harden and no, 
Um, may, well, maybe I remember like back when the bubble like was two weeks old. They there was like some guy that they tried to make an example of because he was he like escaped for a bit to go to like a nightclub or something. So so no one escaped the bubble. Um, well, you're not supposed to leave. So well, no there there were um, there were excused reasons to leave the bubble, and then there was a protocol that you had to follow being outside the bubble, and then a, another protocol you had to follow to come back into the bubble. And one of the players, I think it was Lou Williams on the Clippers, had a valid reason to leave the bubble. He had a, it was a death in the family or a family emergency, but you can look up the details online. He did not, let's say, stick to the um, out of bubble protocols. And that's, that's as much as I'm going to say on a family friendly show. I don't know at all what you're possibly referring to. (laughs) Well, what's his name? Look it up. Uh, Lou Williams. Lou Williams. Bubble escape. <laughs> what do you got, Google? Uh, as the latest. Cl- oh, he plays for the Clippers, so he is. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Wait, so he, so he's, he's, um, he's, uh, he's Steve Vollmer's problem then. Correct. Yeah. Uh, come on, LA Times, just bold the part that's interesting. Okay. Anyway, I don't, I don't need. So apparently, you. Yeah, you covered it up where I probably shouldn't even share on the show. Okay, so anyway, so this um, Jimmy Butler guy, like I don't know, I think I think that's fun and that's cool. Uh, but going back to the to the Sports Illustrated article, so because um, there was one part that was really relevant here, which is he became uh, as obsessive about beans as basketball and is now arguably more of a versatile barista than a backcourt player. I don't know what backcourt means. Is that the opposite of being in the paint? Yeah, when you're in the paint, you are considered to be a front court player. Surprise! Wait, surprise. so so in that case, is Steph a backcourt player? That's correct. Oh, so it just means somebody's really good at threes. In in today's NBA, yes, that's what that means. Oh, in in the 1990s NBA, would that mean you're bad? Like, uh, and it just means that there's a lot more threes being shot today than there. Well, was. yeah, yeah. So, but, okay, but was backcourt player used back in the day when threes weren't important? Yes. Or is that a new term? No, not a new term. Okay. Uh, anyway, his preferred or his preferred origin of beans is Brazil. He roasts, grinds everything himself, and one of his busy, uh, biz, biggest off-season projects was practicing his latte art. Again, footnote there, uh, which still needs some work <laughs> before it reaches the big face menu. Uh, and he's quoted: "You have to pour it from a certain height and a certain angle. It's taken up a lot of my time, and I've made a lot of mistakes." Uh, right there with you, bud. So. <laughs> I don't know. This is fun because again, I'm somebody who doesn't care about basketball until uh, it's the the playoffs. And this year, uh, the mind was elsewhere, so it didn't actually factor in there either. So I don't know. I'll, I'll be on the lookout for this guy. So one of the things I really appreciate about Jimmy Butler and, and this whole coffee thing is totally in line with this, which is there have been a lot of stories over the years about him in the off season. You know, I mentioned he's a really hard worker. In the off season, he apparently, I don't know if he does this every year or if he's just done this some years, he literally like disconnects, like he has no phone, watches no TV, just literally, you know, works out and reads and and just literally kind of like goes off the grid. And there's, there's something to that, that I just, I really appreciate. So I, I, I like to visualize him doing that now, but with making a lot of coffee dude this this guy is stealing my whole deal because i do <laughs> like because i have the same thing where a couple of times a year like i'll just be so anxious or frustrated where i will 
like turn everything off for like 36 hours and just go drive without google maps like to the redwoods or something so this mm-hmm. guy is he's, he's stepping on my toes a little bit but <laughs> anyway so this is cool so go check out his instagram he already filed the trademark for big face coffee co so like many nba players he's very uh entrepreneurial or enterprising or whatever the appropriate term is for knowing when to to cash in that's 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 pretty good um and there was one other thing with this guy I don't know if that's, that's pretty much it. Okay, but there's a couple other NBA things. So uh, Giannis re, uh, y- re-signed y- with the Bucks. Y- Giannis. I'm just, I don't want you to get the, the follow-up. From who? Do you think he <laughs> listens? Like where he's going to be mad? He might or be a little... listener. Yeah. I, I'm sh- Well, he, he, he should be because he's, uh, I mean, I think officially our favorite NBA player because he's the good guy. I, I do like Giannis, yeah. Yeah, again, he has, he's the one who has the clip of the, the little girl giving him a book of like drawings she did, and that, that did, it warms my heart every, the twice a year that that pops up on Twitter. It's really good, yeah. Anyway, so he re-signed with the Bucks. Um, I don't know what their situation was. I know they had, like, because this is uh, adjacent to Ben Thompson anytime he's on the talk show. Like, they had a couple of seasons where the Bucks were close and doing pretty well, but never could quite make it. So I don't know if, if he has the team around him, but anyway... Yeah, that, that's that's neat. Uh, and then the last bit of NBA stuff, and I will give you... Because I did actually find the source to the thing that I posted in Slack yesterday. Uh, so there's a user who just goes by sources, who uh, there's a video that uh, the publication The Hill put out, whereas a video somebody recorded of like a hand truck with a box of Pfizer vaccine being rolled into George Washington University Hospital. And then this guy on Twitter put the um, like game night of uh, NBA on ESPN music on top of it. And it's um, it's a pretty thoroughly satisfying 23 seconds. So people should go check that out. It is absolutely delightful. I immediately shared it with some folks as soon as you sent it to me last night. And it will be in the show notes. It's it's great. Well, it, it, in the, the like, and, and I'm happy about that. But the part that was like even is even better is kind of like because it it fits perfectly because it's kind of the same music that they would play when like people are just like entering the court, mm-hmm. and it look and it, like the way that this vaccine video is shot because it's just some dude like laterally like doing like a pan <laughs> uh, recording like their court side of like the star player coming in. So I thought that was it's 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 pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, that's that's uh, NBA and coffee talk. So I I don't know if I can sue Butler for basically stealing my whole thing of getting um, unnecessarily into coffee uh, during the pandemic. But I don't know. Or maybe there's some rev share agreement we can strike. You don't have to say the name if you have one. But I'm curious if you have a name for your future future coffee shop. I don't, but I think it'd have to be something like a, a sub-brand of German washing machine. I, I would think it would have to be, yeah. Yeah, but Germans aren't known for their coffee. Wow. Well, I mean, it, they're not a coffee culture. Like, everything about, like, when I was researching all the fancy espresso machines, everything was all, like, this one was manufactured. Actually, no, I lied. The brand that I have, it's designed by, uh, in Italy, but it is manufactured in Germany. So, actually, maybe, I, no, actually, I slandered the German people, and I'm very sorry. The, the, the fine German people helped develop the vaccine carlos oh yes that oh did you see fucking ted cruz on twitter why'd you you do this so i'm for the record i'm i'm back off twitter like i like like really off twitter lately and so 
and I and, and I'm I'm perpetually off Ted Cruz. So you know, Ted Cruz Twitter is not something that that intersects with my. I think world. Ted Cruz is kind of like the Kardashians, where you don't get to really decide <laughs> that that's not in your life. But he had a dumb thing where he 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 wrote like um, I don't want to Google it, but something about like uh, Americans should get the vaccine first because who invented it, and then a bunch of people were posting uh, a German company that had nothing to do with you so right please go fuck off and mm-hmm. that was always pretty good yep uh where was i going with that oh italian coffee machines or yeah so i'll i'll think of that because I, I should probably have a separate uh, a separate document kind of where i have all my future dog names uh i'll probably should have like a, a cafe um hypothetical a hypothetical name thing so um, we'll see so I, a million dollar idea here you can just take it and run with it sure that, that should be your menu is all your potential dog names those are the names of your drinks <sighs> maybe well actually in so hmm. Hmm. yeah it's 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 pretty good it is it's kind of like the the delis in like in hollywood that have uh sandwiches named after celebrities or like ike's i've never been to ike's even though there was one that opened very very close to where i lived in emeryville and i've never been there and i don't know if that sandwich place is any good Oh, Ike's is tremendous. I can't believe you've never been to Ike's. Yeah. Do you ever go to Walnut Creek? Uh, occasionally, yeah. If you're ever up that way, there's a place called Marucci's that is the best value and the best sandwich spot in the entire Bay Area. So, You think this is what people tune in for? I, again, we, we discuss frequently, not sure they tune in at all, but I do <laughs> think this is what they want. Because does anybody really want to hear talk about Tim Cook and Gawker? I certainly don't. Um, I, well, I actually have one more coffee question for you. Sure roasting beans is that is that like your next thing no that's not worth it at home yeah Mm. just just find good roasters that you like and good like just try new beans like that's not worth it i don't even think like marco or like something because he's he's the gold standard of somebody who uh does too much and doesn't know when to (laughs) with with that type of thing so hold on i'm I'm marking this date down so december 16th 2020 so what what do you think Vegas would put the over under at for when you buy your first coffee roaster? Zero. Like the Scottish, like I, I have zero interest in it because, like, yeah, there's just there's so there's no there's no upside. I wish I wish we could more easily go back to previous episodes and find specific conversations because I'm pretty sure when we started talking about the Barista Express, you said that you had no interest in it and now here we are what do you mean no interest in it i I I thought you were very resistant to the idea of really getting into the the at-home coffee thing because you were you know you had a kind of a a good thing going with you know fills and and elsewhere i don't think so but also again like everything the pandemic changed everything but um (laughs) uh but no, because I'd slowly gotten into it pour over. And I actually, again, before you gave me the nudge or the peer pressure into, like, I had researched the Barista Express a lot, but because of the grinder height thing, that had basically kind of every every three months, whenever that kind of, um, like, emerged from the back of my head, it would always be like, oh, yeah, but it won't fit under the counter. But you, then you, You'd go remeasure. <laughs> I would, because the because sometimes I would look at the wrong website, and they would measure it, but they would always have, like, the dimensions without the, the hopper mm. on there. And then one time, like, I think in the middle of last year, I went to William Sonoma, and I measured it, and I'm like, damn, okay, it doesn't fit. So, yeah. 
anyway but the one thing that jimmy butler is missing is that he doesn't have uh, an affogato on um on his menu so he's got to fix that maybe he might be still working on that uh there's nothing to do he, well actually well so he does have an espresso machine so because even though he says he likes pour overs most but it's it's dead simple you just you pour an espresso shot on top of ice cream and then deliciousness happens anyway uh do we have any follow-up um there's i mean there's been a little bit of stuff from the the big warner news last oh, week. oh yeah um you see the yeah, tom I, cruise I, thing hmm? did you see the tom cruise thing I, oh you're off twitter I, yeah off twitter and mostly off tom cruise so i can't can't <laughs> hold on hold on hold on command n text mate okay mostly off tom <laughs> cruise okay um yeah uh so no this was a thing where he's he was making a movie and somebody recorded a thing wasn't there a thing where christian bale like just got really upset on stage or off stage once yeah that was and that one viral that was a thing for a while yeah yeah this one was more of tom cruise getting mad that um people were breaking uh covid safety protocols on the set of a movie mm. and it, it, it it's it went viral in a good way about apparently like um a celebrity caring about all the jobs that could be lost if if they got shut down because somebody's being lazy and cut in the corner. So it was actually, it was it was um, a nice thing to watch or to listen to. Um, but yeah, so just kind of going with that, uh, Christopher Nolan had an interview somewhere. I think it's in the notes where um, he said that like, oh yeah, I don't care about this difference for me, which I don't buy at all. But then he kind of pivoted to being like all the residuals and the way that people who work on a movie are paid are all wrapped up in how much money a movie makes after the fact. And that's why he's upset. He's on upset on behalf of everybody else, not um, his ego and his everything else. So do you buy that? Well, no, um, not at all. I mean, mm -hmm. Jason Snell had a really good summary of this on upgrade this week where, you know, he made the point that, the Christopher Nolans of the world sort of have this view of cinema as being this sort of holier than, you know, thou um, way to see movies and like the only valid way to see his movies, which also, as Jason Sell said, I just have very, very little patience for. So I, I think a lot of his... I think a lot of his view of this situation is coming from from that perspective, which maybe we did touch on this a little bit last week. Like any major transition like this is always going to have kind of the old school holdouts. And Nolan is is definitely the one that's the holdout during this transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. How did I put it? Oh yeah, his thing was just basically uh, like it's a valid point, but it's all post rationalization to make him seem better while he goes on this press tour of explaining why he hates Warner Media. The, yeah. So the you know I I don't know how much into like the details you want to get with the with the blowback that Warner's been getting, um, but you know one thing I'll say, which I think I said online offline too, is that you know I I, I disagree with a lot of the, the pushback they've been getting, but. One thing that is surprising and like, you know, I, I get why they went this way because it would have leaked otherwise, but the way that they sort of took the Uber approach here and just basically, you know, 
asked for um, forgiveness instead of permission mm-hmm. um, is is surprising for a big conglomerate like um, it's a, I mean it's AT and T right is all, all what all this rolls up into yeah but but can I, can I ask a naive question mm. like it does isn't if they had gone through all the negotiation process with every single stakeholder in a movie or at least every major one wouldn't have le- wouldn't it have leaked out and therefore been less effective a marketing move that, that, that that's what i that's what i preface this by saying that mm-hmm. you know I, I get why they had to do it this way because it, it it would have leaked out and the message would have been lost if if they went that way but nevertheless it still is um somewhat surprising that they basically just took this this sort of gung-ho strategy into into doing this and i you know i you know this comes with the caveat that i'm certainly no lawyer but i would have to imagine on twitter (laughs) that you know all of these contracts you know the ones specifically the ones where you know producers directors stars etc are getting a percentage of gross box office i'm sure there is boilerplate language in there saying that basically like hey in the event of a hypothetical pandemic and if the movie doesn't come out in theaters like you therefore don't get your cut like i i bet from a legal standpoint warner is is protected there and that's sort of why from a strict legal standpoint they were able to make this decision unilaterally but there's more to it than just looking at it, you know, from the black, you know, letters on the on the contract, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't I didn't really think when we were talking about it last week, sort of the long term potential damage this could do with Warner's relationship with directors and actors and and everyone else in hollywood that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out yeah again i don't know anything about anything but i i just don't think that's going to be a thing just because and we'll talk about the disney stuff in a minute but if disney is their new strategy is we're just going to sink a whole ton of money into serialized content that's destined for streaming i'm not really sure they can then try to be like well i'm just going to shop this big budget expensive movie that will maybe not have the in-person audience for the next five years that to somebody else because they're all going to jump on it like i if your point is you don't think streaming is the future like every deep pocketed alternative to major studios right now is going to be like an apple tv or a netflix or somebody else and eventually those people are all going to realize that they have there's gonna be like some equilibrium reached on content creation spending where Apple uh, Apple or Netflix are not willing to overpay for a movie just because they want to get a feature-length movie on their service. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy that, but again, I'm not a media insider. I'm not, a, well, I'm not an insider on anything, but yeah, I don't know. And then there is one thing that I haven't actually listened to yet, but um, Kara Swisher, who used to be part of the, the Recode um, website, moved to the Times and she had an interview with Jason Keelar, Killer, what's his name? Uh, Keelar, I think. Keelar. Uh, about kind of that strategy and kind of why they did it. And she's usually a pretty tough but fair interviewer. Uh, but I haven't listened to this yet. It's it's in the queue. Um, but yeah, people should probably go listen to that because I can reasonably say it's probably a good listen. 
All right. And then I think this will be mostly you talking for a bit, or but just because you're, you're the one that's um, super keyed into the Disney stuff. But mm-hmm. they had their earnings call, and they have announced uh, that basically every person who's ever been in a Star Wars movie is getting a TV show. <laughs> I think is the... I'm not even overstating that. I think that's basically what they said. Well, it's it not only Star Wars, but if you've been in a Star Wars movie, or if you've been in a Pixar movie, um, or if you've been in any sort of Marvel um, property, if, you've ever, if you've, ever, if you've ever been to Disneyland, they're <laughs> yeah. they're giving you a TV show. I think I think I actually might have a. Sh- I think we're actually going to turn this podcast into a show on Disney Plus. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think whoever's going to play either of us would be favorable. <laughs> anyway, um, all right, so so there's Rogue, Rogue Rogue Squadron is the only one I know of, just because there was like a teaser trailer on um, with the, with the director on uh, Twitter, but I don't know about all these other ones. But apparently, there's a lot of them. Well, so that so ironically, so Rogue Squadron was the only traditional kind of theatrical Star Wars release that disney talked about all of their other disney or all their other star wars announcements rather were disney plus focused so you have two spinoff shows from the mandalorian which by the way i mean i i I know you know you're not a star wars fan so i'm not going to sell you on this but season two of the mandalorian has just been delightful it's been so good it's it's by far and away been the best Star Wars thing that that Disney's done so far. Can I ask a quick question? Can I just have you explain a tweet to me? Uh, I, I can try. Uh, there's somebody on Casey Newton who writes a really good newsletter. He used to be of The Verge. Now he has his own um, media newsletter. He keeps doing these tweets where he, he will say, wow, just watch the episode of Mandalorian where X happens. I don't get this joke, but people seem to like it. Do you know what this means? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what he's referring to there. Well, no, but then there's also this one. So I guess I don't understand it. Is this just saying that, like, he he's saying that this is a very predictable show, or why, why is this funny? Well, I can't really tell you why this is funny, because I'm, I'm not sure I'm laughing, but... Um, are, are these, like, one-sentence recaps of, the, of each episode? I, I mean, it, it's not the, you know, it, it's not some um, super complicated plot or anything. Um, so I mean, maybe that's what he's getting at. I don't, oh, I don't okay. know. Okay. So it's, so it's this, so would you say that Mandalorian's not like an HBO show? Like in terms of like, we're okay. Anyway, we we can move on, but like, not, is it not, just a, not, yeah, not a thinking man show. That's what I wanted to say, but didn't want to say <laughs> because like, apparently the special fo- uh, special effects are almost like theatrical movie grade. And it's really pretty to look at. The production quality is kind of unbelievable especially in the second season like there have been a handful of sequences where it it arguably looks better than like what they had done in some of the more recent movies like it's really good but is that kind of papering over kind of mediocre scripts and writing you know i so i you know i'm about to maybe make the the star wars fans angry and obviously i'm i'm a i'm a well documented star wars fan myself mhm <laughs> Star Wars isn't exactly like the most complicated story of all time. Like there it's a very rich universe. There are many characters, many backstories, lots of lore, but the core story itself 
is not all that complicated and is built on very, very traditional mythology, right? So I'm not really sure. Like, if, if you want to pick The Mandalorian apart for that, you're kind of picking apart Star Wars as a whole. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, unfortunately, I'm sorry you got canceled by all the Star Wars heads, <laughs> but it's okay. George Lucas literally said you can never go to Skywalker Ranch. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, two spinoffs from The Mandalorian Rangers of the New Republic, which they haven't really said what that's going to be about. Um, I sort of assume that it might have a connection with some some characters that they've introduced this season. Um, and then there's Ahsoka, which is the um which is a Jedi that got introduced in the show this season, who is also from the Clone Wars, which was a um animated series that takes place between episodes two and three that that was that's really, really popular among Star Wars fans. I've never seen it, but um that's very well liked. And I guess she was a very popular character from that. So people are excited about that. Um and the uh the thing that I thought was kind of fun with this announcement, I'll see if I can try to find the exact phrase that they use. So here we go. So the Verge article says that the two shows, meaning the two cross the two um side stories rather, will cross over with future seasons of The Mandalorian, and this is this is the the good part, and culminate in a quote, climatic story event. <laughs> Which is um super vague and um interesting phrase um so um so yeah i'm i'm ex i'm excited about all of that um because i again i think the mandalorian's been really good this sh this season um and then they're going to have this show called the bad batch which is actually a a sequel or a kind of a continuation of the clone wars which i just mentioned a minute ago but again i haven't seen that so not not as interested in that they're doing a um prequel series to rogue one which is probably the best full-length movie that that disney's done with star wars so far um and then the other thing that i'm really excited about is they are bringing back um obi-wan kenobi and bringing back um Oh my gosh! Well, I'm totally blanking on his name now. Um, Should we? <laughs> no, the the um, actor guy, Ewan McGregor. Jeez, senior well, who's he play? Senior moment there. He plays Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, in was it that? was in the in the prequels. Um, which you know he's arguably like the only good part of the prequels. And so it's it's really exciting that he's he's going to come back. Um, okay, I'm not trying to do the whole thing where I pretend not to know stuff, but is he the so Obi Wan is the one who dies in Episode Four? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so he's the one who teaches Luke about the Force, and then he dies real fast. That that's correct. Yep. Okay, got it. All right. Yep. Thank you, Google. All right. Um, um, and they announced that Hayden Christensen, who was the actor who played anakin in the prequels he's the one who becomes star fader spoilers um he's also going to be in this series so interesting mm -hmm. oh so the kid who was like eight he doesn't play 
the young kid, but then he plays Anakin in episodes two and three. Got it. Okay. So that's cool. I mean, is it, I, I guess my, my question overall to like to broaden this out a little bit is, is that, do you think this is the best way to make Disney plus stick? Like, do you think like, cause basically they have two really lucrative franchises or like families of like, um, stories to, to tell. Do you think if Disney plus just becomes the like superhero service and the star Wars service, like, is that enough? Because I guess maybe in, in this announcement, and I didn't pay attention too closely, like I don't hear much stuff that isn't this. Oh no, there there is a ton of stuff that's not Star Wars and Marvel. Um, I mean, you've got everything from a spinoff of The Princess and the Frog, a long form series of Moana. You you've got a you got a, a prequel to Toy Story, which tells the origin story of Buzz Lightyear. I mean, there's there's a lot of other stuff here, too. I, I guess I should frame it differently. None of that's new. Like, I guess, like, I... I that's, and this is the whole thing where we, we've Dis- been talking about the Disney, Hollywood though. problem. But, but I'd be like, that's the Hollywood problem for the past 20 years is there aren't any new stories. It's all just, hey, we had this thing that people liked once. Let's either remake it or tack stuff onto the beginning or the end. So basically, they're just... They found stuff that people like. And it's the same thing with Pixar that they just keep making the same Toy Story movie over and over again. Well, so I guess where where I would so where I would push back a little bit there is that one of the the great things about Star Wars, and I I think the same is true of Marvel as well. I mean, I'm not plugged into that, but I, I get kind of the sense of this from the bits of it that I have seen, is that one movie to the next in that universe or one show to the next in that universe is very, very different. Like you know, I, so I can best speak to Star Wars. Like the Mandalorian is super, super different than the more recent movies were. I mean, sure, they're all set in the same universe, and there's obviously shared story elements and characters, etc. But tonally, visually, they're they're totally different. So it, it doesn't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over again you're watching an original story that happens to be set kind of in the same world or or galaxy as it were yeah yeah i i get that and i don't have a horse in this fight but i just feel like it seems like like pre-at&t hbo like whenever hbo would make a new series like it was basically something that was entirely new and i just feel like that that takes more work and that that's that's I don't know. Like, it just seems like if you if you're just use like re, not recycling, but if like if you're using as a jumping off point just the the crowd pleaser stuff that you already have, and you're just like we're we're just gonna keep making this stuff because it's it's familiar, but it's not really that novel. Like, I don't know that that seems like that's only catering to a specific type of user, and I, I guess maybe that like Google or not Google, uh, Disney is banking on the fact that there's enough people who love Star Wars or love marvel or something where that's gonna make it be like just like there's this content stream from a particular thing that they like which means they can never cancel disney plus but i guess like i don't know it doesn't seem like they're making a lot of stuff that's that new i I don't know but maybe disney hasn't really made anything that's new in a long time Hmm. because like at one point the lion king was new or all the Pixar stuff was new, but everything else seems to mostly just be a sequel at this point or a remake. Cause that's been their whole strategy of 
like all those live action remakes of The Lion King and Aladdin. And didn't they do another one? Beauty and the Beast? Yes. I don't know. Like again, whatever's whatever's making money. Like I don't think I don't think they're just like churning out shoddy work. But it just feels like that for as much as people have given uh AT and T and Warner and HBO crap for uh maybe transforming HBO into more of like a blander, like just Netflix style, like we just need to churn out more stuff. At the very least, like that stuff is new. Like I know like the Watchmen show was based on like a book or on a comic series or something, but it feels like that's more you have more on on the line with that than Disney just making stuff that they know automatically has a built-in audience, but maybe that's smarter. I don't know. So, so I I get what you're saying on one hand, like you know, t- from my perspective, I guess the the best kind of example I I can think of recently for me is comparing like the Mandalorian versus For All Mankind. Where, you know, For All Mankind is a, a very, very original show. I can't really think of anything quite like it. Whereas, you know, to your point, The Mandalorian is a, it's another Star Wars story, right? And even like with the Disney Plus rollout initially and the Disney Plus app itself now, I mean, think about how the content is is presented and categorized isn't, isn't star wars like one of the five like distinct channels it is yeah i mean it's it's literally like disney pixar star wars marvel and the national, national geographic, geographic for exactly. some reason. <laughs> um so i mean you know they've been very sort of upfront about that for a while um but i guess you know the the last point here is i i guess the one that i made before which is that the i mean the mandalorian is a is pretty original show um to the point where i think like even if you weren't necessarily an existing star wars fan you could really enjoy it um so um i mean it i don't know it it's it's a heck of a lot more original than like the most recent movies were which in a lot of ways were more of kind of a a repeat of what they've done before. Gotcha. Um, and let me go back to the Disney thing. Where was this? Okay, so a couple of Disney things. So basically, they are um, raising prices by again. This is we've talked about it in the past. Boiling the frog, uh, not from the Princess and the Frog. That is going to eight dollars a month. Uh, starting next year, I believe. I think starting in March. Yeah. And then they announced that they have, was it like 80 million subscribers? How many do they have now? It's it's hard to keep track of, something like that. So there's a, a good uh, CNBC uh, recap of this. But basically they expect that they're going to have about 250 million subscribers worldwide to Disney Plus by 2024. Um, oh yeah, and Disney Plus now has 86.8 million subscribers um, when they announced all this new content. So... I mean that's that's cool, but I mean, yeah. My my only complaint or is, the question is just kind of what, what is the content for other people, or is are those things basically enough to accommodate most people? I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. Anything else on the streaming front? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, but I'm I'm excited about this stuff. Uh, did you see this thing with um, 
Bob Odenkirk of Better Call Saul has a new movie. I did not see this, no. So just sent you the link. So I don't know what this is. People keep saying it's like Better Call Saul meets John Wick. Hmm. And I don't know if I would like this, but I'm happy that Bob Odenkirk is like getting his due of Hollywood knowing that he's an underrated talent and he's he's the best. But um, yeah, people seem to think this is going to be very good, but I don't think it's the kind of movie that's for me. But yeah, I don't know. Okay, what else we got? Consult the notes here. Um, well, so you you bumped this this Facebook stuff from last week back into this week. Um, what Facebook stuff? You know the part where the U.S. government's accusing them of being an illegal monopoly. Oh yeah, yeah, that stuff. Um, um, I don't I don't know how much I have to say on that. So yeah, I mean I don't know. Like my, my oh geez, autoplay video. Come on, New York or come on, New York Times. Um, I don't have a lot to say here other than, yeah, it was, it was a A1 story by Mike Isaac and uh, Cecilia Kang, where basically, uh, I think it was like 48 different states have kind of sued uh, Facebook for um, basically using an acquisition strategy to kind of fend off any type of real estate competition. There have been widely publicized emails in the past where uh, Zuckerberg um identified Facebook at, or identified Instagram as a threat to it and understood that basically you need to um, basically purchase whoever you need to, to stop them from being a threat. He identified that like after three months, they already had like 2 million active users. So basically the, the complaint is that even though the FTC uh, had previously greenlit the acquisitions of both WhatsApp and Instagram, that Facebook has wedged itself into a market position where they um are basically untouchable in terms of how people communicate and how they're able to aggregate data across the different services uh to give them an unreasonable advertising and market position i think is the gist of it um and i'm like i'm not sure i have a whole ton of stuff to say about this but i think this goes into conjunction with uh the lawsuits that came out of nine states earlier today against google and them possibly abusing their market position to kind of um dominate the ad market where basically you have a lot of interested parties in the government who are taking a look at big tech and it's no longer in the um uh like the the phase where you, people are so enamored with technology as being just this universal good and let people innovate and like the you know the the early days where everybody thought like don't be evil and all this stuff with google where it's attracting enough regulatory scrutiny because of their size and also people on both sides of the aisle where conservatives falsely believe that they're being censored and that uh, conservative viewpoints don't get enough um, visibility because, you know, the coastal elite technology companies hate them. And then uh, the left thinking that uh, Facebook and Twitter and everything is undermining democracy and allowing hate speech and stuff to to fester. So every, everybody's mad for different reasons. But overall, I think it kind of means that we now will have enough people with enough sway in government who believe that unchecked big big tech companies are a problem for both uh, markets and democracy, that that's going to be kind of an interesting thing to watch. I don't know if the political will or capital is actually there to do anything about it, or we'll just have more congressional hearings where conservatives will just try to get their sound bites of saying, well, why why wasn't this thing getting more views and then i don't know you, you know how all those hearings always go mm -hmm. 
Uh, and then Marco Rubio talks, and then it's all bad. <laughs> so, I don't know. So yeah, I don't have a lot to say here. Again, like that, this will all shake out, and people should go read stuff from vastly more qualified people than us. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. You've gotten a both a Ted Cruz and a Marco Rubio reference Honestly, in this show. They're the same I, person, aren't they? Like, they're, just, they're, like they're, they're two sides of the of, of a really cursed coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What I'm, I'm assuming you just wrote that down as a show title. I don't think you can hear my keyboard. I, I sure can. Um, I need to get a better microphone then. <laughs> um, what else do we have? What's pet peeve? I think you you bumped this one. I think also back up from we bumped everything just because last week was. Yeah, this is going to be a very scattered episode because this is our holiday spectacular for the year. So it's going to, it's just going to be a grab bag of stuff and people can go listen to it when they've had maybe one too many at Christmas. <laughs> uh, and I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm just talking too fast because I'm all hyped up on coffee right now. So Good for you. Uh, not, not really, though. All right, so Petco got a new... Yeah, this is all over the place. Uh, you can pull this up on brand new. I, uh, they've, they're behind a paywall now, so I don't know if you're going to be able to see the entire entire article, but... Basically, Petco has always had a really cute um, logo of a, of a blue cat and a red Clifford-looking dog, and apparently they're removing that to the most bland uh, wordmark humanly possible, which is kind of a, a huge bummer. Yeah, this new logo is so boring. Mm-hmm. It looks like like Petco could be like a like a middleware or like some fucking <laughs> CRM company. It's pretty good. Wait, do you wait? Do you, oh, do you, oh, I guess you do know what middleware is. I, I sure do. Sorry. Yeah. Most people don't, which is why that's always a funny word to use. Oh, um, Pretty good. <laughs> if, if you were asking anybody, hey, do you know what MuleSoft does? I don't think people, I think people would think that's made up. <laughs> Doesn't Salesforce own them too now? I, it's it's hard to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, what else do we got? Yeah, I don't know. What, what else? But there's other stuff. Um, it, so the, I, I put Discovery Plus in the notes so I, I i actually only have one comment to make mm-hmm. on that the logo stinks uh i haven't really noticed the logo but if i had a dime for every ad that i've either seen or heard in the two weeks since this has been announced i think i could buy a second sub for my sono system in the family room like it has been everywhere so two questions. One, did your arc arrive today? It arrives Friday. Uh, uh, we I called a, it. Appa- yeah, Fed, FedEx is, FedEx is, is having, um, is having some having trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I've had stuff that's just been sitting in Fairfield, Fairfield. California. Yep. yep. It's just yeah. And then the yeah. delivery date disappears. I'm I'm not complaining. I no, like it, at all. But I, I'm totally. But you know what's well, you know what's interesting lately is um, some stuff's actually been getting here like earlier than expected. And then From other Hulu, stuff. UPS seems it seems in Northern California, FedEx is a bit of a, a catastrophe, but UPS and Amazon are fine. It's I've actually gotten some stuff early from FedEx too, but I've also including today actually something came a day early. But I've also had stuff yeah sit in Fairfield for like four or five days. Um, yeah, it's it's probably the difference between FedEx Express and Ground. That's, because that's what I oper- assume. Because yeah. they operate as two entirely separate companies, where UPS, Ground, and Air are the same company. 
Well, and something that I've noticed too with FedEx is that a couple of things I've had delivered the last few days have come... Unmarked vans? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they, they go every holiday season, but it's much more so this year. Both UPS and FedEx will just go to like Hertz and Budget and just go be like, hey, give us this unmarked white van <laughs> and we'll have like this super sketchy magnet. Kind of like how the Comcast installers do where they outsource that to a third party where it's like they just have a little magnet on the side of like a Chevy Silverado and it's just like, hey, I'm with Comcast. Remember, that's that's what Amazon like used to be entirely, right? Like when they were doing their own delivery service, it used to just be unmarked white vans. Yes. So their branding is actually pretty good. When I was having to commute uh, to Southern California a whole bunch last year, it was I was always so shocked to see like how well branded their um, uh, semi trucks were. And also they've gotten really consistent where it kind of looks like, do you remember when Chariot was a thing? Right. The, the the color and design of the Amazon Prime, when you get like a proper Amazon branded one, uh, it looks very, very similar to a Chariot van. Uh, where's it going with this? Oh, yeah, because there was that weird period in California where um, Amazon, like you couldn't tell, like I, I always never remembered if OnTrack became Amazon Logistics or there was just a weird period where Amazon didn't want to use UPS or FedEx anymore and they just shipped everything through OnTrack and you, if you saw a tracking number that started with like a couple letters you're like oh no this isn't actually gonna ever arrive <laughs> it's kind of a weird time mm-hmm. anyway uh oh discovery plus is how we we got to that okay so, so your sound bar will not so we'll hear about that in the new year yes um yeah discovery plus so where are you hearing about that does does uh discovery own hgtv they do and food network they do that would be why well <laughs> isn't so that basically been... the only thing that you watch in your house Yes. <laughs> no, that, no no shade in that, but it seemed like there might have been some shade being thrown there. No, no. Um and if if there's like a if there ever becomes like Guy Fieri plus, then there that will be it's kinda like how AMC wants to charge you for the exact same content except with no ads. Like again, Guy we are we are months away from Guy Fieri plus being a thing. Well, I, I buried the lead a little bit here because the Verge article that'll be in the notes summarizing Discovery Plus, the the prominent image they have here are are all the logos that that are a part of the service mm-hmm. with a smiling Guy Fieri in the background. Where? Let me click on this. And it's delightful. All chefs welcome. <laughs> Wait, I don't I don't like these categories. Food? What? No. Home? Are are this is like Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy? Home, food, relationships, true crime, nature, and adventure. I feel like there's more stories to tell than this. Maybe not podcasts, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, so to answer your question, so I, I've seen a bunch of ads on Food Network and um, HGTV, as you'd expect. I've also heard a ton on The Daily. I've had multiple episodes the last couple of weeks where all two or three ad slots have been Discovery Plus. Yeah, all of my daily ads are from Philip Morris talking I've, about I've how they've gotten that yeah they, they it, it takes balls to say that uh we're going to eliminate all smoking within 10 to 15 years where the past 50 years it's just been them killing people yeah yeah um yeah this is, this is a good picture of guy fieri mm-hmm. it's a bit eddie q but it's in terms of the shirt and the, yeah and the, and I, the, I bet he's got some fancy cuffs so you can't see him here but yeah, that's that's almost a segue to the. Oh, actually, I don't think you put it in here about the Gawker thing because I do think that's going to be what we end up rounding this out with. But I put I put your thing in here. Oh, that's that's before this thing happened because I didn't know Tim Apple was doing other stuff. But well, so I I actually I I have a, a 
small bone to pick with you with this article. Sure. I have a small bone to pick with you. It made me start a whole newsletter because I was so mad. At you. <laughs> um, still or sparkling. I, I don't, I don't, that, I don't recall that, that joint IP. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall your, your business partner here, um, granting permission <laughs> over that, the use of that term. Well, get, get me in touch with your, with your attorney and then I'll, I'll hash it out with her. <laughs> and by your attorney, I mean, I mean, uh, your housemate. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a placeholder. Cause I basically, I didn't know where to, cause I, I, cause like, I don't know what the hell is going on with medium. And I think I finally let whatever domain I had a blog with expire. Like I have a lot of really dumb, uh, gimmicky domain names, um, on file with hover. Like, I think I also own Italian com. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, but wait, I don't, wait, I, is that the name of your coffee shop? Ooh, maybe no, because I always I had a thing where so I have my fake restaurant German washing machine, but then I also had a, a thing in somewhere on the page there was a joke about Italian wash and fold. Well, then I'm like, well, I need the domain in case that ever becomes a thing. So I've been paying sixteen dollars a year to keep that active for like three years. And I think I think that's I think you found your coffee shop name. Uh, maybe, but also yeah, I've I've got a whole bunch of stupid uh domain <laughs> names that I'm that are just parked at Hover. Anyway, so yeah, there might be a placeholder for this, but basically I could, I was still so mad. I'm still like irritated four weeks later that you don't agree with me about this Apple small business program. So when I was uh, tired of reading and I couldn't think of a way to, to spend my evening, I uh, wrote this that you'll put a link in the show notes for, but basically you're still wrong. And I just wanted to see if you'd come around to the point that you're wrong, that this Apple small business program thing is, uh, is a load of BS and it's not actually helping anybody. Or are you still committed to your previous position? I mean, I think I think my previous position is the right one, which is that it 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 can be two things at once. It can be a fantastic PR move that doesn't actually cost Apple a lot of money and doesn't change the fundamental issue that a lot of people have with the with the iPhone and with with the App Store, you know, specifically around Apple's control of of the iOS platform. But it could also be really good for developers. Which developers? The overwhelming majority no. of individual developers. The overwhelming minority by revenue. It's you and you and your because judging everything by revenue. Isn't that what matters? Because but but I I, I, so I, I would think individual get, people matter too. Oh, oh, calm down, Bernie. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my god, are we going to argue about this again? What's happening? I think we are. Okay. So I guess my problem here, we're going to put a 2-minute cap on this. Where's my espresso timer? Um The problem is, I guess have I have I asked can you can you uh think of this from the lens of a consumer? Like I guess like why why would the average consumer or why would you care about how much developers take home? Ignoring the fact that I am also secretly also caring about that. If you're thinking about how does this affect customers, the fact that this now makes life better for a lot of tiny developers doesn't actually make anything better. In terms of the ways in which that Apple competes unfairly, extracts too much money for a service that they should not be compensated that much for, and the fact that they need to treat the App Store and the developer tools that they make as just a cost of doing business, 
like i guess my point is that what, i i haven't heard it articulated as to why apple deserves 30 percent of all commerce that happens on iphones why don't they because they're not doing enough because because like oh no we're not gonna have the same argument again <laughs> Okay, people should go read this, and they'll 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 because I'm not just going to read the whole thing on the show because that would be a waste of time. Or that, or I mean, it it would help, it, it would uh, educate a lot of people, but it would not be the most productive use of time. Anyway, I think we're, we're I put an analogy in here, and I think this actually made sense. Okay, so this whole thing is like it's like residents of a city complaining that about the transit options available in the city, and then city hall saying that uh, everybody who rides the subway once a month gets a free ticket. But the people who commute every day get nothing, which is basically what this is. The people who are occasional low volume users of the app store get uh, get a break. But the people who actually use it for their entire business, some of which don't have margins to give Apple 30% for doing basically nothing, get nothing out of this deal. And overall, that hurts consumers. Anyway, this will be in the notes. <laughs> as long as you understand that you're wrong. Okay. Uh, this Discovery Plus logo is terrible. Okay. Uh, do you want to round this out with uh, some Tim Cook? Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right. Are you aware of what this story is about? And can you briefly explain it? I'm I'm not. Is it is it in our agenda? I don't think it is because I think uh, we just uh, I assumed that it was the story of the beginning of the week of December fourteenth, and that was enough. Is that the, is that the, the, is it in the thing? I don't know if it is. Okay. Well then you can find a link and then I'll start talking about it. So basically, uh, Ben is the name Ben Smith, MIT Ben Smith. Yes. Uh, so he is the media columnist for the New York times and he wrote, uh, an article that's published uh, on Sunday called Apple TV was making a show about Gawker and then Tim Cook found out. So we've talked about at length that Apple doesn't actually need to be making a TV service, but this is the the vanity project that they have hung their hat on and feel that they need to do. And in the run up to that show that TV network that made oh, I just got an email from Hover about another domain I don't <laughs> um in the run up to uh making awesome show an awesome show like Ted Lasso the a lot of people were kind of wondering what Apple TV Plus was actually going to be and there was always that um pejorative bandied about of expensive NBC and there was a thing about like i think there was going to be like some like either like biopic or like some biographical miniseries about Dr. Dre that got killed because it was too or that got um basically canceled before it got too far because of content uh concerns and there were rumors that and possibly by people who were no longer with the service or had an axe to grind but basically that apple and tim cook were constantly giving notes about the content that was being made which i think is what the source of that expensive nbc comment was but anyway like now that uh, apple tv plus is out for the most part i don't think people really have that complaint anymore that like when we've seen the morning show and a few others where like it is definitely not like a super sanitized network tv drama and that they are willing to kind of have hbo ish themes and like kind of like content warnings like most of the stuff that is on apple tv plus would probably qualify for like 
TVMA or I don't, I don't know if streaming services are subject to that type of thing. But overall, like most of those content concerns have faded away. But apparently there was a TV show that was going to be made on Apple TV Plus or that they bought the rights to, which was called Scraper, that was basically a fictionalized television series about Gawker Media, which was from 2008 until like 2016 when it was sued out of existence, uh, was kind of not a great societal benefit on the internet. Like Gawker was a, a family of brands. They had, um, is it Kotaku? Is that the video game one? Right. Uh, Gizmodo, Jezebel, Gawker, and they also had Valley Wag, which was um, their Silicon Valley gossip blog. But they're famous for a few reasons. One, but specifically related to Apple, uh, Gizmodo purchased probably illegally. I don't. I don't. I don't know how that actually shakes out. But they purchased a iPhone four that was lost in a Palo Alto bar uh, and then posted pictures and internals and stuff of that before the product was released. And then there was a whole thing where Steve Jobs sent the police. I, I don't know. The whole, the whole people can go look that up. And then also uh, on Gawker proper, I think there was an article that was posted. I think it was like, says like that Tim Cook is the most powerful gay man in the United States or something or something basically where uh, a writer there uh, outed Tim Cook before he made that decision himself, which is an objectively fucked up thing to do. So anyway, there was going to be a store or there was going to be a TV series made by that written or run by the guy who made Watchmen and something else. I think maybe the good place. And apparently it was in, in the works and the show was killed uh, when Tim Cook found out about it, and there is either it feels like right now there's two takes. It's either kind of the big tech has too much power and they're shaping the stories that people are telling, or the why does this matter type of thing. So again, have you been aware of the story and do you have an opinion? I no, to, to be honest, I I have I've not been plugged into this story. So I guess then with with that preamble or that that description i guess do you think that do you think tim cook or any executive like let's say uh, amazon studios was making a movie or was making a tv series and jeff bezos eventually just thought that oh no this is gonna i i don't like the way that this is being made or whatever do you, do you think that they should have the ability to influence creative decisions like i, I don't know but like, I guess I'll just give my take, which is that I don't think this is a big deal. Like, I think Gawker is a really shitty. Okay, good. We we get we get to we get to agree here. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be hard. Like, I mean, this is dumb because I, I it's dumb for a lot of reasons because I've listened to a lot of people. Like, again, I am still very much on Twitter. I don't again, I don't use it on my phone. So therefore, Twitter usage is not really a problem for me because Twitter dot com. The website is the worst. So I just don't like using it there. But there are a whole bunch of people, and and Ben Smith's whole point here is that big tech is too powerful because all of these people who have different political leanings or um, business interests or what have you are dictating what gets made and all these piles of money that they're throwing at content creators uh, means that you're only seeing whatever Tim Cook or Jeff Bezos or Reed Hastings or whoever wants you to see. And I mean, I kind of get that, but I kind of like, this is 
a time when like people keep saying, oh, yeah, we're in the golden age of TV. We're like just like there's there's literally like 400 scripted series on TV at any one time. And in the, especially in the case of Apple TV Plus, like there are like they're overpaying for the rights to stories and movies. So like if there's a good story to be made right now is like the ideal like marketplace. I like, guess it's, it's kind of like the point of it being like a seller or a buyer's market. Like you you have the captive audience to get the price you want for whatever this is. So like, I, I don't know, like I, I don't get that line of debate, especially since like back in the old days, like, so let's say tech company, like that entertainment and technology had never converged and that Netflix, which is ostensibly a logistics and a technology company that became a content creation platform started making like content decisions like i guess so before that we had disney nbc universal and like 20th century fox like i guess how is that any different i don't know like i i just don't get the point of this just because there's so one if you have a story that's just so damn good that you have to tell it like the, the content creation has been democratized so much in a way where you can just go buy a camera and you can just make it and if you have people who are attached to the project and there's like I have to make this movie about this shitty gossip blog on the internet. Like you can just make it. But right now, if Apple has chosen that they don't want to make this TV show, I'm sure there's tons of people who are willing to to put it out. Like, I just don't get that point. I don't know. Like in, in the fact that like, I think like if Tim Cook decided this and he did it for purely like spiteful reasons, who cares? Like, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it, it's entirely fine. He has a damn good reason to for somebody who, like, uh, again, with a very, he's a very powerful person that I have many disputes with about the crappy things that his company does. Like, he, he if if he personally doesn't like a company because they've done shitty things to him personally or have made life difficult for his company, like, he can do it. Who can, like? There's no. I don't think anybody is entitled to or has some guarantee to have like some scripted story told like I, I i this whole thing has been such a dumb scandal and i and i don't get it yeah i i totally agree um it's almost like people are viewing this from the same perspective as like at a newspaper where you have this separation between the news and opinion desks like you know i like i don't see why a company like Apple would have to work the same way. Like if if Tim Cook was presented a prototype of, you know, the iPhone 16 and I don't know, there was something about the shade of space gray that was on there or whatever that he didn't care for and wanted changed. I don't think anybody would object to that. Like they would say, yeah, he's the chief executive of the company. Like, of, of course he, you know, can express his opinion on products, et cetera. So I, I don't know why this is any different than that. Like, I, I would agree that if, you know, if he were persistently doing that and overriding those beneath him, that, that would probably lead to an unhealthy corporate culture. But I don't, I don't see... I don't see why this would be a problem, especially if it's sort of sparingly used. Correct. And and if he had, and if he or Eddie Q or anybody at Apple had been super heavy handed in that, 
And that ultimately began to alienate all the people that they're paying tons of money to run this whole unnecessary media. Like again, like that's the other part of this is it's Apple doesn't need to be doing this. And that's the whole subtext, which kind of, that, that kind of annoys me more than this whole dumb storyline. But like, all the people that they're that they hired away from Sony or are paying way too much money to make this whole thing happen. If Tim Cook keeps making their life difficult and chasing away all these stories that they think like, well, yeah, this could be a really good TV show or this is going to get a great audience, then like that's just dooming their own service, and then those people will quit. Like, I mean, I, I it's fine that this happened. the The only other thing about this part that is that I think is um, interesting. Uh, is that and there's a good picture of Eddie Q in this uh, um, New York Times media column. But if you go down about halfway, uh, there's a section. Uh, Eddie Q, Apple senior vice president for Internet Software and Services, who has been at the company since 1980, blah blah blah, has told partners that the two uh, that quote the two things we will never do are hardcore nudity and China. One creative figure who has worked with Apple told me. Um, and then BuzzFeed News were also reported last year that Mr. Q had instructed creators to avoid portraying China in a poor light. I think that's way more interesting and emblematic of kind of the uneasy market position that most Western entertainment companies face of China being a massive media market and being unwilling to tell stories that either fictionally or in a nonfiction capacity uh, portray China in a negative light as being unwilling to tell those stories. And wasn't there a whole, wasn't there a whole bunch of, to bring it back to Disney, wasn't there a big controversy about something in Mulan? Yeah. One of the, one of the locations they, they had shot in or they had at least done some like aerial shots of, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, so I, I think that is a much, much more interesting, uh, revelation here than the fact that, uh, Tim Cook may have, uh, What's what's the the term bigfooted? What's the where he basically just said like, hey, I'm the boss, and like, fuck this, and this this is I I don't want this to be made, and like, good for like I mean whatever like that that's his prerogative, and if again if he's doing that all the time, the people who actually make the content will get pissed off and leave, and then he'll have to deal with that and figure out that that's ultimately what he wants. But I mean, ultimately, like that seems way the China thing is actually the interesting part of the story, where the rest of it isn't at all. But yeah, like, I don't know, like, this seemed like to get a ton of play and a bunch of, like, silly um, debate going on Twitter about it. And just, I mean, whatever. There's so many places to get stories made that you'll get too much money for and is what it is. Go go shop it to Warner Media. They'll put it out on streaming. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I think that's it. You got anything else? Or is this year over? <laughs> okay can we speed up the end of this year let's do that i mean if, if people save this episode until the 31st then it'll feel better somehow i have no idea <laughs> um yeah I, this month has been going by super fast and there are literally only 15 days left in this godforsaken year and mm -hmm. um other than uh the president continuing to say that the election was a fraud and that it's likely he will refuse to leave the white house uh that's almost over too that only has about another month le uh left to go yeah uh people were unable to stop the steal and i think there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah i i agree on all fronts all right you got a special or any wisdom to talk about the year i have, I have no wisdom to talk about the year okay so you can, t um, you can tell people to go buy something which is which is so much better i do have a chef special there we go 
I think this one's going to make you angry. More or less than you're being wrong about the Apple stuff? Probably about the same. Okay. Send you a link in a thing? No, it's an Apple link, so already, already. Unless it's a Ted Lasso. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Ryan, no. You could have just mailed me $300. <laughs> so this is the um, catchily named Magic Keyboard for iPad Air, fourth generation, and iPad Pro 11-inch, second generation, otherwise known as the Magic Keyboard for iPad. So I've had this for a month and a half, two months at this point, and it's it's really darn good. So I initially bought it just as kind of a sort of a curiosity slash I was never very happy with my smart cover as as an iPad stand. Um and I also wanted ideally to have whatever alternative stand I could get also function as a charging stand. And there are a so kind of a surprising lack of good options there. So then I kind of I started looking at the Magic Keyboard and you know was totally one of those things where I thought, well, you know, if I if I buy it and if I really don't like it, you know, I'll return it. And, you know, we've talked on the show, like, I, I don't really like returning things. Um, I generally try to avoid that. But I, I, I kind of came into this thinking like, well, if I don't like it, I'll, I'll, I will probably return it. But it, it's, it's really darn good. Um, I've, I've kind of, I've gotten into a mode where, you know, like, before I start working in the morning, or like, after I'm done working in the evening, I do kind of shift modes where I get off my Mac and sort of like transition to the iPad. And, you know, sometimes the iPad is good just, you know, kind of on its own if I'm if I'm reading news or whatever. Um, but if I'm if I'm in a situation where I want it propped up, like if I've got a recipe open when I'm in the kitchen or if I want to type a couple of emails or something like that. Um, the the magic keyboard's really good. It's a it's a great keyboard. The the keys feel really nice. It's backlit. The trackpad's not spectacular, but it's it's good enough. Um it's actually from a software standpoint, it's kind of amazing how well a trackpad works in iPadOS. Um Yeah, I've I've actually been really surprised at how much I've enjoyed it. Um now I that comes with the caveats that I think like the idea of using this as like a laptop replacement, like that, no way. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think that's what it could be used for. It's, it's really heavy. <laughs> like it's, I know it's not, but like, it almost like feels heavier than even like my 15 inch MacBook pro does. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's really, really solid. Like in a way where it almost feels like it's, it's just heavier than it should be. So like, I don't, I don't see how replacing a laptop with this thing, like if you were, you know, back in the day when we used to travel and stuff, I don't know how that would be any better. But for something that you're using as kind of a secondary device, which is very much how I use the iPad, and having it propped up in a really nice kind of stand and having a keyboard that's easily accessible, 
but then also still easily having the option to use you know the device as a touchscreen it's again it's it's it surprised me a lot i've i've been been really liking it okay so cool i guess i i guess like i i have no hate on this and it's good to hear that it's a overall good thing i guess i was just under the impression that i don't think you you use your ipad that much to justify an accessory that's costly for it because i have no doubt that it's good i i I do and especially more recently um so can can you give me like because i remember it used to be like the ipad used to be like your basketball like second screen computer i guess like uh, like so because for me my ipad only gets used uh, as a recipe display thing in the kitchen and that's literally it so i guess so what what are your big ipad use cases so mine is you know breakfast in the morning like reading reading the news in the morning that's that's sort of where it starts and then you know in the evening it could be recipes if i'm cooking dinner or it could be again like maybe some light email stuff or whatever in the evening that i want to finish up um, or you know, thumbing through RSS feeds or whatnot. It's it's really become sort of my non-working hours computing device, I guess. Like you know, I'm I'm so I guess I'm sort of like getting into this mode where. So can, you know, can I can I ask? So do you not have? So you don't have any work accounts set up on this iPad? So it's kind of like a ch- separation of church and state thing. Like is is it that if you open your full computer, you're going to get barraged by stuff that you don't necessarily want to see off hours no i mean like i do have you know like email and slack and and things like that from work on it um but like i'm I'm not going to be doing like heavy spreadsheet work on the ipad or anything like that i, I guess so so what gives you that like that separation or different differentiate differentiation of kind of like this is my personal big screen computer device that doesn't kind of mix with work it's not so much that i guess it's almost just like a different mindset like when i'm at my mac and i'm working i'm like you know i'm 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 like plugged in right like i'm i'm taking lots of zoom meetings i'm in excel i'm i'm really doing like the bulk of my work whereas like on the ipad either early in the morning or in the evening that's where i'm you know kind of you know organizing email and catching up on slack and and things like that from a from a work standpoint so can i ask if you're just on like let's say you're watching guys grocery games or something or you're watching like an nba game in the evening do you have your phone in hand or do you have your ipad in hand like what is your what is your like i'm not paying attention to whatever i'm doing but i'm looking at stuff like i'm consuming things is that the ipad or is that the phone it's become more more so my ipad hmm. yeah interesting and then the other the other great thing about the Magic Keyboard is it it's so easy to take the iPad on and off of it. Like the the way the magnets work is is really cool. So it it's just it's so quick and easy to kind of break it out of its its you know more laptop type form factor. So let's say like it's on the kitchen counter and it's open as though it were a laptop. Do you have to hold down on the keyboard to detach it or does the weight of the keyboard allow you just to grab and go? Well, we can we can do a a live demo here. Let's see. So it's I got to I got to I got to grab it here one second. Okay. Just to let everybody know and a reminder. I'm entirely right about the App Store thing. Go read the thing. <laughs> um all right. So you want me to try and just take it off without 
touching the bottom at all, right? Exactly. Like if you just wanted to like just you're walking through the kitchen and you just want to grab the thing, will it detach without having to hold down the keyboard? It does. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Three hundred dollars cool, tough sell, but that's 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 neat. If it was one ninety nine, it would be an instant buy. So I guess the other thing too is that it, it like more and more Apple products, I mean you don't have to buy it full price. So Amazon regularly has it on sale and that's that's when i bought it can i do a follow-out complaint about upgrade uh sure jason has this theory that he keeps bringing out that i think is really silly is that apple prices stuff super egregiously expensively so that people who aren't apple can discount it that seems insane to me like he, he brought that up about the airpods max and the homepod in that it's expensive so that when it's on sale at Christmas time at Best Buy, there's room to make it cheaper. I think that's very silly. Like, how, how much is the smart keyboard when it's on sale? Because Apple never puts it on sale. I, I, I got it for 280 or 250 I think. But not at Apple directly. No, through Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I don't... that. <sighs> That seems lame because then you have kind of like like a uh, like a West Elm like Banana Republic thing where you kind of you only you have to only buy stuff on sale. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I guess like yeah, like I don't, but anyway, like I mean, yeah, this is cool. So do you th- do you think this will increase your usage of the iPad? Like, has this increased your satisfaction with the iPad? Oh, a hundred percent. I. I really have liked switching back and forth between a trackpad and touch. I don't I don't think I would ever want that in a Mac, like my primary computing device. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like I've I've found it to be really natural when using the iPad in the Magic Keyboard to sort of just seamlessly switch back and forth between the trackpad and touch and I, I couldn't even tell you exactly when i do which input method like and there, there's certainly no like system to it it just sort of dynamically happens so you just mean like sometimes you have like reader open and then you just forget that it's in laptop mode and you just sometimes reach out and touch the screen and it just it just works yeah well or just like i don't know like when i'm in gmail sometimes it's like Sometimes using like the arrow keys on the keyboard for certain things is more efficient. Sometimes just tapping or swiping is more efficient. It's just, I don't know. There's just sort of this rhythm you get into um, that ends up leading to a really nice experience. Well, so then that, that, that bodes well for the feature of touch on the Mac. Potentially. Yeah. And, and I mean, and they, you know, this is not an original take, but like, I mean, they nailed cursor support in iPad OS. I mean, it's, it's it's just it's phenomenally good like it's it's kind of it seemed it's almost like it's how the you know the consensus is that apple kind of hit a home run with the m1 like there's just really not there's not a lot to dislike about it mm-hmm. um I, I think that's how cursor support is an ipad os like you you can have all kinds of other quibbles about you know ipad and ipad os and rightfully so but i mean they they kind of just crushed cursor support. Like there's just not, there's not really a lot to dislike about it. Yeah. Are you ever multitasking on the iPad or not really? I still can't figure out multitasking on the iPad. I, well, I don't, that was, was going to be the follow-up question. Okay. So basically that's still, that's still too confusing, but therefore you're 
mostly happy to use it in kind of like a single screen like original uh like um the way the ipad was originally conceived you're not really trying to do multiple things at once because it's still too perplexing right i i I don't i don't get multitasking in the ipad at all (laughs) it makes no sense to me thank you okay perfect okay well that's good anecdotal evidence i mean like it seems neat it's it's pricey but it seems neat yeah cool um i got nothing i guess yeah the one this this isn't really a recommendation like uh, the sonos has a has a shelf that you can get for the sonos one that's kind of neat it's really overpriced for what it is it's it's 60 dollars. is it an official sonos product it certainly is also one thing that we've been missing in terms of all of our sonos discussion recently and again in the new year we'll talk more about your arc and the way that your new setup has, has gone but that sonos is a is a is a, is a company town it's it's from santa barbara mm-hmm. so yeah but yeah but they have if you go to accessories um they have uh a 60 dollar shelf that you can get so i have because my uh again cozy cozy apartment problems um not a ton of uh, sh- uh storage space um in in the apartment so uh in the bedroom i have the one of the sonos ones on a shelf next to a nice little um succulent and uh it works out but it's it's very overpriced for what it is but yeah neat that it exists this is a fascinating page so yeah that's what that's where i stole the idea of getting the succulent because like the way that they have it like it makes sense and the one thing that i've been seeing because i've been doing like i but when i in the run-up to all the home audio stuff i was just looking at reviews of everything and like amazon reviews a lot of people a concerning number of people are putting smart speakers in their bathroom and that concerns me hmm yeah like like who need who needs to because i don't really think these are waterproof so who like if this is like your shower podcast speaker doesn't seem great and i don't ever want alexa being invited into the bathroom like this is no <laughs> um i'd have one of, the, one of those uh dash buttons maybe when you kind of because that's the time you realize you're out of toilet paper or something but uh yeah but it's a cute shelf this um and this move travel bag is really nice but man it's 79 dollars. well yeah i but I, I kept the little the little tauntaun sleeping bag thing that my move came in i, I, I did what, too i don't know if i'm gonna like keep avocados in there or what i'm gonna do but uh because i'm not really ever gonna take the move anywhere because it weighs as much as like a, a child but, <laughs> um anyway i mean overall yeah again and then i guess the the uh, recommendation of the year i guess is going to be that sonos doesn't sound very good but it's um overall it's worth the investment in your house and i'm still extraordinarily pleased with um my new like home podcast setup podcast listening setup can we talk about one other thing on the accessories page here sure we're, we're under time today what's up they have an apparel section no is this like the fucking like uh, uh, it's the same thing it's the same thing i dislike about tesla is who wears the gear of the stuff that they like wait i don't see this where i don't i don't see, i see architectural i don't see apparel apparel's at the very bottom of the accessories main page the strangest part about it is that all they have are two different hats and that's it no shirts nothing else just two different hats do a, you have a link i don't see this uh yeah here i'll send you it's it's just um Oh, um, I see it. Accessories slash apparel. Yeah. Buy a There's Sonos turntable. Who was who buying a Sonos hat? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A Sonos trucker hat? Fucking, does Ashton, does Ashton Kutcher like Sonos that much? Uh, it's, it, 
there there well and also what's really strange is that there's a there's an image of a hat leading you to the apparel link but the hat that's in that photo doesn't appear to actually be one of these two hats that they're actually selling wait is is was there is there a discontinued hat it it, it seems like there might be yeah uh, un, un, well unless that's the trucker hat with the back part folded i i don't know the, this there's a lot of questions here wait hold on I'm, I'm, on, I'm on their gift giver or their gift finder page okay so i want a gift for the podcast lover okay all right i'm clicking that uh you know i want i want them to be able to listen to it in the bathroom okay uh they like options okay the perfect gift is a sonos one or the move <laughs> okay so <laughs> i feel like that's probably the recommendation it makes like 90 percent of the time <laughs> sure Anyway, I, again, I, I, I like I want companies from Santa Barbara to succeed, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit much. I don't know, like if if Apple can sell iPod socks, Sonos can sell a shelf. Do whatever you want, man. You know, yeah, Sonos is still trying to make. They're trying to pull up Pandora, and they're trying to sell you radio now. So, good luck to them. And with that, let's hope for a better twenty twenty one. You know, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> So I think we could do it.